0: Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multi-millionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. When your life and your business grow as a result of what you're about to discover, please call me and tell me about it. The number to leave a voicemail is one 888 844-GROW. That's one 844 4769 Long distance charges may apply. Dial now to call me, connect, share your personal story of how my interviews have helped, or share your current challenges and frustrations so I can connect you with an appropriate course, coach, or help you if you connect. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello everyone, thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by direct response copywriter and marketing consultant, Donnie Bryant. Donnie is officially or unofficially known as the most interesting copywriter in Chicago. And since 2007, Donnie has written sales copy for dozens of niches from dating to debt relief. These days, he works almost exclusively in the financial industry and his copy has generated $25 million for his clients over the past three years. I've asked him to join us here today to help us understand how we can all make our messaging a little better. So Donnie, thank you so much for joining us. Man, we just had this great conversation for like a half hour before we hit record, but how you doing, man?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I'm I'm doing wonderfully, and I'm really honored to be a, a guest on your amazing podcast.
0: Thanks, man. I appreciate that. So I've gotten to know you and your, about your family and your four kids, and it's kind of similar backgrounds that we've got. We've been trying to get this interview on the books. Uh, it's probably, what, five months now that we've just kind of been coming back and forth trying to make this thing (laughs) happen. Yeah. And then even today I got talking about something and I was like, damn, this is like a half hour gone by. So, but how did you even get into marketing and copywriting? Like, do you come from a family of marketers or entrepreneurs or how did you even get into it?
1: You know, it's interesting. I really didn't. I never even thought, well, I suppose as a kid, I imagined I would be, you know, Bill Gates or something, uh, but never had any real Ideas about entrepreneurship. I didn't know anything about marketing. It was accidental, really. I I got into working in retail, like a lot of people do, (laughs) and I was got into a a salaried position where I was working entirely too many hours, and I wasn't spending enough time with my family. I had three kids at the time, and when I even when I was home, I was just beat up, you know, from having worked uh, sixty or seventy hours a week. And I said, I got to find something else. So I, I was I started looking online for ways to make money from home, which you know is, I guess how most people end up looking at <laughs> multi-level marketing things like that. Uh, I I happened to stumble across copywriting, and and instantly knew you know this is something that I I would be interested in. I kind of always loved writing, but never never thought I could really make money from it. So it it happened providentially, I'd say, and and just kind of went from there. But no, I I don't have a background like that at all
0: so then how what were some of the challenges in your business career and how did you overcome them getting to i mean there's it's a it's a long road to go from picking up a book on how to write copy that converts or sell you know how to write words that sell to doing you know 25 million in sales so what were some of the biggest challenges and milestones on that journey
1: yeah i mean the first couple years of course were very difficult because as i said i was working Fifty, sixty, seventy. I remember working twenty-two hours in one day at Kmart, and having at, to do that and simultaneously try to pick up that book to learn how to write copy. You know, write sales copy. That was a big challenge. And but but I I really at that point like I said I knew that I needed to get away from that. You know, soul sucking <laughs> situation of of working that that long and being away from my family. I like I said, I had three kids uh, and my wife, who I was really not giving the attention she deserved. I needed to fix that, and so it was, I was just motivated. But anyway, having the time or making the time and the energy to pick up the craft and then to find people who would pay me as somebody who didn't have a background. I don't have, I don't have a degree. I don't have any degree, but I definitely don't have a degree in in marketing or anything like that. Uh, so just getting started, the first two years were really tough. I was, like I said, working and then working on the copywriting thing and harassing anybody I could find uh, to see if they would give me some money. Uh, and, and then that, so that was a big challenge. After after we, we started getting some momentum, it was about two years in, it was just, it started going pretty well. I got to a point where, I, I felt like I didn't have to market myself. Like, all oh, this money's coming in. That it wasn't a ton of money, but it was kind of on autopilot. I had a couple of good clients and a good lead flow where I wasn't having a problem. And I just decided not I – I don't need to market myself. Plus, I'm famous. Look at me. Everybody knows me. And the money dried up, like, instantly. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, the challenge then is, you know, my ego took, took a huge, huge beat down at that point. Mm-hmm. And I try, and actually, I, I was, I'm going to, I don't want to do this anymore. If y'all don't want to send me money, you know, it was, yeah, I, just, I was um, I was hurt. My feelings were hurt. My pride was hurt. And getting back into into the swing of things. So that was another challenge that I had, realizing that even when you think you've got something going, you've got to keep promoting yourself. You've got to mm-hmm. keep getting in front of the right people and providing value in such a way that, uh, you know, you've always got. Uh, you know, leads coming in. I always got potential leads uh, that you could turn into actual yeah. paying clients. Deal client.
0: flow, deal flow. I I had that problem too. Yes. Just you get cocky, you get arrogant, and all of a sudden things dry up, and you realize your pipeline's empty. And oh oh crap, what did I do?
1: Yeah, it's right. I didn't even have a pipe really. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't just dry. There was no pipe. I, you know, I, I realized looking back. You know, it was, it was really you know I had like I said a couple of clients, and then like inquiries coming in but I you know it wasn't any systematic thing I didn't have any go-to methods that I knew I, if I go out here and do x y and z I will have leads it was it was all happenstance it was, it was you know wasn't just a dry pipe I just didn't have a pipe at all
0: so how'd you overcome it what happened
1: I went back to grinding <laughs> I think I don't, I don't know exactly what I did I remember I stopped I said I'm not doing this anymore I actually spent some time working in a warehouse I was I don't want to even do this. Like I said, my progress hurts hurt so badly, and it was probably two months. There was probably two months, when, and then I I started itching. I thought "This is really not for me." I, and I and I went back to content creation. Like I said, I was writing on my blog, and then starting to get go back out and reach out to create content for other people, which was has been traditionally one of my best methods for getting clients. When I figured that out, you know, it really helped, but. You know, getting out there in front of the people who could hire me, and and eventually it started picking back up. Hmm. So you know, it was just a grind. Again, I didn't have a system in place then either, but it was just you know, let, let me hustle, hustle
2: mm-hmm.
1: until things things get back. I guess it was because when I when you know how I got where I was was hustling. That's how I got back where I where I was was hmm.
0: through hustling. Right. So is that was that what not you smart would... necessarily? Well, no, no, it's no, but it works. I mean, that's it's if it works, that's smart. But what would you recommend sure. to someone who's listening to this and maybe is either just starting out or is struggling like you were? Is there any tips or advice you'd have for them?
1: Well, it, I guess there's <laughs> create a pipe. <laughs> I didn't even think <laughs> this, I mean, this language is kind of weird. But if it makes sense, to, you gotta get, you got to get good at your craft. But a lot of times you spend so much time thinking about getting better And we don't spend the time that we need to in promoting ourselves and promoting ourselves to the right people and promoting ourselves for the right reason to the right people. You have to figure those things out. And the sooner you figure out who you want to serve, who you can best, you know, create great results for, and then find out where those people are and what messaging will work to attract them with some regularity, the sooner you can figure that out, the sooner you'll have a system for bringing in leads on a consistent basis but mm. so that's what I would say learn figure your figure out your value
2: mm. and who
1: that value works works best for as soon as you can I would say even today if you if you don't know that if you couldn't communicate that clearly spend some time figuring it out
2: mm-hmm. and
1: then put it to work because you could hustle like I did and you know, it's, you're, but you're spreading yourself all over the like, place. I need to post on Facebook. Yes. I need to write a blog post. And I don't even really know who I'm writing the blog post for. I just need to have content on my website. Yep. And what about Twitter? And what about emails? And what about podcasts and all these things? And it just makes more sense to focus yep. and, and be great at something specific. Yep. Not everybody will agree with that, but I've, I've, that's how I, that's what has worked for me and what changed, really changed things for me it's yeah. figuring
0: out who to focus on. Yeah. I think that's a real important takeaway. Be great at something specific. I mean, there's a lot of ways to make money online. There's a lot of ways to make money in business. You know, you don't even necessarily have to be a business owner. You know, you can make a lot of money working for somebody else, but you have to figure out what specific thing can I do? I mean, there are, you know, some sales, there's some sales professionals. I met some guy who was living in Cota de Casa, Next to a buddy of mine. Like, he was next to, like, I think Gene Mm -hmm. Simmons from Kiss. Is that that who it was, Gene? But he's like, you know, like, buddy's got this house in this fucking, like, this big, fancy neighborhood, like, Housewives of Orange County, reality show neighborhood. And he's a sales rep for Pepsi. He's a sales rep for Pepsi. Started on the front line, worked his way up. And I'm like, like, for real? Like, you're he's like, I remember talking to him. He's like, yeah, I'm a sales rep. It was like a barbecue or something. I'm like, yeah, I'm a sales rep. I'm like, "What what do you mean? Like, you manage teams? He's like, no, I'm a sales rep. Like, I'm a rep. Like, you're a rep, and you live <laughs> next to the fucking general here with, like, 80 acres yeah. in the middle of Orange County. Like, what? And he's like, yeah, I'm I'm a rep. I'm like, oh, okay. And that's, like, I so I think it, there's real power in that. It sounds simple. Just be great at something specific. But, I mean, there's inch-wide, mile-deep. There's value in that. There's yeah. real value in that.
1: Right. So. And look at this. The, the appointment is, I mean, it's, like, multifaceted. But the first part is being great at something, but also being great at at something for someone specific because not pepsi anybody can can buy a pepsi and maybe that's why you can make huge money selling pepsi to you know the masses but you can do the exact same job for two different people mm-hmm. and find that one person can only pay you a thousand dollars for it the other person can pay you twenty thousand dollars for the same thing that's right because it is more valuable to that other person So you gotta find where your value matters and makes the most impact yeah. that way you can get paid and everyone's still happy you're yep. not ripping somebody off because you paid. You charge somebody else twenty times more. Yep. You just provide twenty times more value to that other person. It makes more sense for that person. Yep. Yep. So you got to you got to also pay attention to who your who is. Yep.
0: The who is super important. Good analogy that I learned to help and I, I mean I this is something I constantly need a reminder of, but a good analogy is like you might like you said, you could do the same thing. So maybe you're a bird, right? You're a bird. You're mm-hmm. like this guy was a sales yeah. rep. You're a bird. He's a sales rep. Okay. But you have an ecosystem. So like outside where I'm living right now, mm-hmm. there's a pond and this beautiful park around it. And then there's some there's some birds that eat the fish in the pond. There's some birds that eat insects. There's some birds that eat other birds. Right? There's some birds that yeah. eat the nuts and berries on the trees, but they're all birds you know and it's like the bird right. that's eating insects has to eat a lot of insects to make the same amount of meat the bird that eats other birds gets or the <laughs> bird that eats the fish gets but he's happy with it mm-hmm. that bird's fine that bird's adapted that's what they want so it's like who yeah. do you, who do you want to do business with like who do you want your customers to be what kind of people you want to deal with every day i think that's super important i think that's a great
1: the great fantastic advantage. analogy so
0: good good i'm glad because somebody
1: has to eat the insects that's right. somebody has to eat the birds that's <laughs> right that's somebody right. has to eat as to eat the berries that's right so the whole eco that's a great analogy yeah. the entire ecosystem depends on everybody finding their particular thing yeah. and and making it work for them yeah. just to pick if eat, most birds that eat birds or rabbits they don't also eat berries you yeah. know I mean? that's right and so you if you want to eat berries that's cool go for that and yep. be great at that if yep. you want to eat turtles that's what you, you know you need to develop a strong beak yep. and go do that
0: yeah and timing is an important part of that as well because, you know, mm. the bird that eats insects, if there's not a lot of insects, then that could be a really hard life because it's just a small amount of protein. You know, it's a small yeah. amount of food to eat one insect. So, But if, there's, if all these other birds have all picked these other niches, fish, birds, berries, nuts, all this other stuff, no one's thought about insects and there's just a yeah. billion of them you know it might be you know it might not actually be it might end up being less work cuz you can just sit down at the anthill yeah. and just eat them as they come out meanwhile the other <laughs> one's got to go for a swim to get the fish you know and the other one's got to break its neck beating on that nut to get through the the shell like you know it's just there's yes. pros and cons to everything so it's yeah absolutely love that i love that so what do you see now like all right so you've kind of figured that out figure out your pipeline getting great at something specific for someone specific i think that's fantastic so you've kind of figured that out you've kind now what about in would have been some of the. Are there any other challenges or milestones that you want to talk about? Well, you know, I
1: don't. I don't know. I think one thing that I could probably say in terms, like, a, in terms of what has been transformative for me, is realizing the power of. I call it OPP. You know, if you if you remember the Naughty by Nature song, the OPP. <laughs> OPP. You <know? laughs> yeah, you
0: OPP. know
1: me. <laughs> exactly. But in this case, it's other people's platform. Mm-hmm. If if you well it's worked for me because I spent a lot of time, like I said, hustling on my own little thing. My blog which had forty seven monthly viewers and my mother was one you know, half half of them <laughs> <laughs> You know, you could do that or you could go someplace where there's ten thousand or fifty thousand or hundred thousand eyeballs already going there. And you don't have to prove yourself to them. Well, you have you know you're you're an unknown person, but then when you go and on somebody else's platform, where they already have trust and credibility and authority, and you get to borrow from that, So you go stand on their platform, and you borrow credibility. So, so for me, it was it was John Ford. If you know John Ford, his newsletter, Copyright's Roundtable, that was actually accidental too. I actually I quoted him at length in my first the first book that I wrote, which was a terrible book. I won't even tell you where to find. Him. It was a terrible one. but I quoted him at length, and he took a one of my chapters, a short chapter, and sent it to his people as his newsletter for the week. He said he gave me the week off. You mind if I send this out? Sure. And he had his 15,000 targeted people on his list at that time. And from that that day, I mean, first of all, he gave a link to my book, so I sold some books. It was a terrible book, you know. I'm a bear spy. But also got projects from Early to Rise came from that. Mm. It was I mean it's crazy. I'm a nobody. I mm. was a nobody. But having just being able to stand on that platform, I was able to get clients, including like Early to Rise, and I got several other, you know, very good paying, great clients through that over time.
2: Mm. Like
1: I like I said, he he said to me, "Oh, you're giving me the the, the week off. I don't have to write this week." So if you can, you can find somebody who you, who you can give them the week off,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> create
1: mm-hmm. content for them, whether it's on, on a podcast or if it's on you know, their YouTube channel. You want to, I don't know how exactly YouTube works, but you know, if you can create content where they get, don't have to, or even if you're not giving them the week off, but most content creators want more content. And if you're just making it easy for them, you know, then you're not pestering them for the most part. You're doing them a favor by bringing them quality content as long as it's quality and targeted for their audience.
2: Mm-hmm,
1: uh, mm. So that, for me, was, was a big key. Mm. Spending less time on trying to build my platform from scratch and more time positioning myself on other people's platform, which, you know, you know, carves out some of that, not, not taking from their platform, but, you know, bringing some of that platform to share on, on my own platform. Yep. And I think anybody can do that as long as you have, like, you have to have some level of expertise and some value to bring. Yeah. And, and it just makes sense to, you know, to go out there where the eyeballs and the trust already are. That was yeah. big for me.
0: No, I, I love that. I heard this quote recently from Jay Abraham, and he was saying, your problem is someone else's bigger problem. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a good way, you know, like for you, your problem is like you you needed exposure. Well, somebody else has a bunch of hungry people that they're, their bigger problem is they're going to lose the exposure they have to all these people if they can't continue producing quality content. Yeah. You know, so for you, it's a small problem, but for them, it's a bigger problem. And I think that's part of where you got to fit in there. And you also mentioned another thing, like. I feel like there's only three ways to get traffic. You can, and that's what you're talking about, is like exposure, right? And that's to buy it with paid mm-hmm. advertising or paid endorsement right. and sponsorship. To borrow it, which is sure. what you did. You're borrowing my audience right now for my podcast. I'm borrowing yours. Anyone that's gonna come looking to hear about you and what you have to say. So borrowing. Thank and then you, the building. Way. Oh of course, man. No worries. Well, again, it's a it's a win <laughs> win win. I need content. I need content. I need someone that's reliable, trustworthy, that knows what they're talking about. And you need, you know, you just you don't have time to do a podcast, you know, perhaps. <laughs> you know. So totally uh, true.
1: I do not, you're right.
0: Yeah. So that's where it be and that's how as a species we've survived, is partnering together and then the last one is to build yeah. it and that's like I will the longer I do this podcasting, the longer you do a blog the longer you do a newsletter the longer you network and build the bigger right the, the progress you make so buy borrow build right. and borrowing is the biggest I mean Oprah you get mentioned on Oprah they still have yeah. something called the Oprah effect they've actually killed businesses she has a, like a SWAT team that comes yeah. in and does an analysis of your business <laughs> because if she mentions your product or service on her show you will get trampled with customers and everyone thinks that's a yeah. great thing to do but it's not in this world where like a bunch of negative reviews can bury you. So if you have oh, a little yeah. bakery, and then all of a sudden a thousand people show up at your doorstep when you're opening your doors the next day, and they all come storming in, and then then none of them get their orders done, and this oh I went and it was terrible, and nobody took care of me, I sat around for half an hour, and nobody just came to. Right, you get buried in negativity because you're not you don't yep. have this, the capacity. So they call it the Oprah effect, yep. and it has it has helped businesses explode, and it's crushed businesses under negative reviews that weren't prepared for Oprah to be like, yo, I went and stopped and picked up this bagel at so-and-so's place, and it was so delicious. And 15,000 people show up at their door the next day, and they just get trampled. And it's like, for the next three weeks, that's all. And, you know, getting reviews, like, I know they were on Oprah two weeks ago, but that was two weeks ago. Why didn't I get a bagel today? You know, and it's like, like, it's just, it's not a, so. But it can be, on the the flip side, like you said, it can be a blessing. You're a newbie, you've got no exposure, suddenly you're credible, and you're in front of high-profile clients potential clients
1: yes yes and you know what it, you're i mean the, that's a great another great story that and and facts that you share my the my own platform my blog i spend very little time on it now but i get steady leads from my website now because over time like you said i spent several years building it and borrowing and sending people there through the, through you know mm-hmm. an, an ecosystem of building and borrowing now i don't mm-hmm. spend much money on buying traffic Mm-hmm. But the building and the borrowing has created a lot of it' from the borrowing but also building over time and now you know the building is is strong standing on a strong foundation and, and it all works together
0: yep yeah. yeah 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 no I think there's merit to that and momentum and now you've got to trickle I mean yes. that's like this podcast I get people reaching out to me on, on social media all the time, you know, more people that I can keep up with and try and I try to engage with everyone I can. If you listen to this and you do add me on social media, send me a message too, you know, and, and engage with my content so I know you're out there but it's yeah. just that, it's that effect it's like the harder I work, the luckier I get type thing, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so, now, so when you're working with clients now, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see them making in their marketing and their messaging?
1: You know, it shocks me it shouldn't. It still shocks me to, to see how many people, how many businesses, think that you have to speak in this very corporate language. And even lawyers don't like to read that stuff. You think mm-hmm. that they do, but they don't. Mm-hmm. People want stuff that's easy to read, stuff that's interesting to read, some stuff that that will create an emotional response. And that's some probably the biggest mistake that I see. People assume that the reader is going to read, mm-hmm. but you have to give them a reason to read you have to talk about stuff stuff that's interesting and you have to talk about it in an interesting way people won't be bored into buying right they de- they won't be bored into reading either and just because they sign up for your email list you know this yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean that they're going to open yeah. it doesn't mean that they're going to read doesn't mean they're going to click doesn't mean they're going to buy so the biggest mistake i think anybody can make especially in 2019 and going forward you cannot be boring people will they're not going to stand for it there's a thousand cat videos they can go watch on youtube they're not, not going to be bored reading your emails. They're not going to be bored reading your blog posts. They're not going to. They're not going to stand for that. They'll click away in a, in a millisecond. So that's the, like the biggest thing. And when I come in, I mean, I really work with a small number of clients now. When I come in, that's the the number one thing. We we say, how can we make this thing, which is technically complex, or you know, it's something that we all kind of know or think that we know something about. So there's nothing interesting. To talk about anymore. How do we make that interesting? Mm-hmm. And, because we got to get them to read. They're not going to buy if they don't read. Mm-hmm. So we have to make it interesting. And, and and that's true for every business out there. Some businesses and in some industries are, you know, naturally more interesting than others. Mm-hmm. But everybody, but anybody can be boring. You could make you know, football or basketball or boxing boring if you talk about it mm-hmm. <laughs> the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got to make a way to keep people engaged, you know, from one, you know, the beginning of your message to the end of your message, and also from one message to the next message. You want them to stick around.
2: Mm. And
1: better than good subject lines is being known as a person who makes good emails. So if you if you send me 10 good emails, the 11th email, it almost doesn't matter what the subject line is.
2: Mm. It comes
1: from Daryl Urbanski. I, I need to open it
2: mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm, We make
1: mm-hmm. ten good podcasts I, I need to listen to the eleventh one.
2: Mm-hmm. you know I
1: just trust that Daryl is gonna bring a great guest, you're gonna bring great content. He wouldn't put bad content in front of me
2: mm-hmm.
1: so it's about being interesting committing to being interesting and valuable to the specific who that you're trying to reach because mm-hmm. again, the stuff that I talk about my wife thinks is dreadfully boring <laughs> <laughs> she she does. <laughs> She doesn't read my emails. <laughs> she doesn't listen to my... She won't listen to this podcast, so it's fine. Because it's really boring to her. Yep. It's just not what she's interested in. Yep. So, you know, you got to talk to the right who... Mm-hmm. I can be as interesting as I think I want to be. It won't matter to her. But it will matter to people that this stuff matters to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the same thing is true for some of the stuff that she likes. I'm sleeping through it. Yep. But she's in, enthralled by it. So you yep. gotta pick your who and be interesting. That's probably like the number one thing. And like I said, people won't bother with you if you're boring. They'll yep. be subscribed to your list and unsubscribe mentally.
0: So know who you're talking to and who you want to be talking to and then be interesting. I think that's really Yeah, important.
1: I mean you can you can't even be interesting if you don't know who you're talking to. It's very
0: hard. Yeah. Yeah, that's that con that's that issue. It, it's it's there are riches and niches bitches. It's the concept like people have a hard time <laughs> narrowing down cuz they want to be available for any opportunity that comes through that door. And that's like right. it's like a fear of commitment. It's like a business, a professional right. fear of commitment. You know, like, I don't want to commit to one market, but it's like, if you become really well known for serving one group of people, other people will buy, like, I'm not exactly that market, but I want this for X. And I can tell you're doing a fantastic job for them. So I have confidence in you. It's really, and you know, you can actually build different faces to the same business. I had a client that uh, had a moving company and they Mm. felt they had saturated the local market. And so what do we do? And What we did is we had them compete with themselves. So they've got two brands. One is Move for Less, which is the cheap, like, low-cost version. And then we have Frank the Mover, which is the premium version. And if you call the phone number for the web – if you go to the website – frank the mover and like call that phone number you get frank the mover and they come with the trucks that say frank the mover and the t-shirts that say frank the mover and the spreadsheet and the the paperwork (laughs) says has the frank the mover letterhead if you call move for less you get the white truck and the white shirts and the no logo pages it's the same (laughs) crew it's the same crew it's two different price points because you're providing the (laughs) same service but for two different markets, right, the higher end market, they want everything to be bubble wrapped and, you know, take care to your kid gloves. The other one's like just shove it in a box and put it on the truck and get it I out of here. Even... Right. That's <laughs> that's it. And so it's like this guy's got a business and he's serving two different markets, his two different front ends. I think I think Pepsi's owned by Cola, Coca-Cola because they just compete with each other. <laughs> if, right. Because you, that's that's just a great compete with yourself because now yeah. you've you're getting them whether they like you or hate you. Yes. I you think know.
1: that I think that's a J Abraham concept as well. Probably. Um, but you know what the great part about that is they're not competing with each other at all. Yeah. They're not taking sales from each other at all.
0: Yeah.
1: You think you worry about it, but they're not but you have but like you said you have to make it this is a high end stuff. Don't yeah. if they sense there's an association between the two it will water down the the experience that they have. I got the white glove service. Boom. Right. That's what I want. Right. That's what I demand for myself because I, that's the kind of person that I am. Yep. And then the other one is, is give me the cheapest, fastest, easiest thing that I can do. Don't shave before you come over. Just come over.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: And there's no competition between the two. They're making more money because they're being specifically targeted twice.
0: It's so smart. Yeah. Oh, super smart. I mean, it's the same idea as like, you know take the super bowl there's the guy that's going to steal it online there's the guy that's going to you know <laughs> get his buddies together they're all going to pitch in for pay per view there's the guy that's going to go and group buy it at a pub and sit down there and then there's the, you know there's the guys that are going to go or the the girls that are going to go and they're going to sit in the nosebleed section or there's the people that's going to pay yeah. to sit right on like the center right right up right by the wherever they want to sit right up where they can have their feet on the grass and there's people in the yeah. big box yeah. up at the top right the big booth that's having the party while the thing's going it's all the same it's the same experience it's the same game it's the same thing it's just different price points different levels of entry right right and that's exactly, exactly it you know you can like you said like great you can you can you can uh, you can sell something for a thousand bucks you can sell it for fifty thousand dollars it just depends on who you're selling it to and you may have to adjust the service a little bit but when you look at like sure. even when you look at a car And you look at, all right, I get the car with all the bells and whistles. And then, you know, and then you take them all away and you go with the cheapest model price. It may not be that massive of a difference. Do you know what I mean? Like, the price can be a drastic jump, so.
1: (laughs) Right. I don't know how how your wife is. My wife loves handbags, purses. (laughs) And and we spent, I'm not even going to tell you how much money on, purses. But all you had to do, I'm not going to say... I'm not going to say that the high end purses aren't of higher quality, but they're not 10 times better quality
2: right. than
1: the lesser quality or lesser priced brand. There may be 30 percent higher quality, yep. and then but the name that comes on it, boom! Now you instantly say, "I want That's the one that I want. That's the one that I want to have. Yep. You went in the Burberry store. I got to have this. Holy smokes! Did you see the price tag on it? <laughs> you could buy a used a used car for the yeah. price of this yeah, bag. Yeah, well, yeah. I I want to have it. Okay, fine, but but you know you can and then you can go to one of these other places and get one that looks almost the same.
0: Yeah,
1: or you get it when it's in off season; it's not new anymore, and automatically it's fifty percent less. It's yep. crazy like that. Yep. Yep. So you're right; is it's, you can offer virtually the same thing, and and in terms of utility, it is the same thing. Yeah, okay. but the experience is different because of how it's packaged.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's a really powerful lesson for people to reconsider. So I, I love that. That's a great that's a great tip. That's great feedback. Do you ever feel anything held you back in your career, like a mindset or a mentality or a, lax, a missing skill set?
1: Yeah, you know what? Yes. <laughs> Fear, there's a lot of fears. Mm. Fear of asking for more money. You know, you see that a lot these days. Everyone's saying charge more and charge more. But I know for a fact that I was, matter of fact, let me tell you this story. I had a client. This guy used to work for Microsoft and, and started his own consultancy. And he, I actually met this guy through Craigslist. It was crazy. But this is early on, one of my early clients. And I, he asked me for some, to do something. He said, what do you want for this project? And I said, eh, I'll do it for 300 He said to me, "Now nah, you're going to want more than that. I'm like, what? You, what? <laughs> he told me I was underpricing myself. He told me that. And he said, okay, well, let me let me reconsider my position. And it happened a number of times in my career where you find out I could have charged more. And, again, not trying to be ripping somebody off.
2: Right. It's
1: like the, the value that you bring, they consider to be more than what I consider to be. Mm. So there's the fear For me, it was a fear of, you know, I'm not really good enough to ask for the price that I really want. Well, yep. I'm not... You know, I haven't been a copywriter for 20 years, so how am I going to charge a fee of a guy who's been around for 20 years, right. et cetera? So there's certainly that fear. And believe me, it's ter- in terms of copywriters, but I think most industries, if you've spent any time getting good at your craft, you're better than most people who haven't. You yep. just are because they don't they don't have the time or the skill set or the disposition to do that thing. Yep. And so you can charge more than you think. Because, like you said, their bigger problem hurts more than you know. Yep. And you probably undervalue it because it comes easier to, to you, not to say it came easy, but it comes easier to, to you than it did to them or does to them. Yep. They don't know how to do whatever it is that you do. And if they're seeking you out at all, they got a pain that they need to solve or they got a promise they need to claim, and you're the key to doing that. Yep. So you probably, you're probably charged more than you think. I know this is true for me. Is that I had at two specific times, or two different times in my career, like I said, the one guy who said, you're going to want more than that, and another person who I quoted a price, and then she said to me, you're firm on that price, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. And she said, just so you know, I would have paid you three times. Three times more than what you asked
0: for. <laughs>
1: and she did that to me as a, as a teachable moment. She said it to me, just, you got to ask more questions. Yeah. <laughs> to Find out how bad this hurts for me. And I would have mm. gladly paid you three times as much. Like,
0: Mm, I like that you should have you asked but we, more but questions you are
1: right. it's so true we also are scared to ask questions right yep. we don't, don't want to feel like we don't want to seem like we don't know something or we don't want to feel like if I ask this question they're going to feel like I'm trying to manipulate them or they're going to feel like who you know you we don't know I know it's true for me I like to speak, feel like the smartest person in the room yep. I, just, I mean it's a bad thing but it's so so but, you had to learn. You asked the questions. You know, I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm not trying to ask leading questions to send you to a particular conclusion. But I need to know. Yep. I need to know how bad it hurts for you so I can, you know, fix it right. But I also need to know so I can do the job the way that it needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And if I don't know, then, you know, it just as much as that. So, you know, you do need to ask those questions. Yeah. <laughs> and probe to find out what's really underneath all of, you know, maybe questions that are not or issues that are not brought up. You won't find out unless you ask. And a lot of times this is true for copyright, but it's probably true in a lot of areas. They don't maybe the client doesn't even know what the problem is. Yeah. They don't they think they know but they don't know. They don't know. And if you don't ask some questions, some strategic questions, you may never or you may not un- uncover what the problem is until you've wasted a bunch of time, wasted a bunch of money or did a whole bunch of underperforming things.
0: Yep. Yeah prescription so anyway. <laughs> prescription without diagnosis but prescription without diagnosis is malpractice in medicine I like a, doc- that. a doctor will lose their license if they just if you show up they're like hey nice to see you Donnie. man you got to get these pills they're the best thing since sliced bread you're like whoa 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 <laughs> but what are they for what are they gonna do for me do I really need them like these are just basic yeah. questions and that's the doctor will lose their license and possibly even go to jail for prescribing mm. things they didn't diagnose and I think it's the same like you said wow. you got to talk to them right we got to prescribe What's your pain? Why is it? How long? What else have you tried? Where does it hurt? You know, like, turn your head and cough. Like, you know, like, all that sort of thing. So (laughs) I think that's really, really powerful. Now, I've had it happen a few
1: times where customers would say, I need a new landing page. I need a new sales page. The question, the first question you need to ask is not necessarily, I mean, you look at the sales page, maybe you can tell it's terrible. But, I mean, what's the traffic source and how are you driving traffic to this page? So they don't even know to ask that question mm-hmm. or to think, to consider, if I'm getting traffic from X source, there's a reason why they don't convert on, on this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm getting from Vegan Weekly, and I'm trying to sell Omaha steak. There's a reason <laughs> they're not converting over here. There's a reason. And and also the, the, the ad creator that drives them there, if you're saying, hey, this does X, and then your sales page says, here's how you get Y, there's a disconnect, and that's why you're losing them. So if you didn't ask that question, you'll recreate a sales page and still suck Mm -hmm.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. because you didn't. You never went. You never dug deep to find out what the real problem was, and the client doesn't know. They don't even know that they don't know. It's not their fault. But that's you know, in my business, is my job to know, at least know to ask, yep, and to dig in and find those things.
0: So what's a typical process that you go through? Like when you're working with someone, and they're like, "All right." All right, Donna. I need your help because I got this thing, and we need to move more. We need to move more volume of. We need to make more sales. We need to, you know, blah blah blah. Is mm-hmm. there a process that you walk through with people, and what are, if so, what are the steps?
1: No, that's a great question. I, like I said, I work with very few clients, just because I I like to give high level of service to the people that I do, and it's like they're renting space in my brain. There's only so much space up there. yeah I, I can't divide it up ten ways and deliver the same quality as I would with three. So, you know. Right, So I'd right. work with less. And but it's, it's really... I, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: No, no, go, go, go. Sorry, sorry. It's your interview.
1: <laughs> well, I, know, my, I want to make sure I'm answering the questions that
0: are hot on your mind. Yeah, no, all good. I, I was just going <laughs> to... No, I think I even forgot what I was going to say. But just... Oh, I was also going to say you have to get to know their... Like, it's... Writing copy is not something you can just do with it. Like, we already said there research is a part of it. So part of why yeah. I guess you work with a few clients is because you have to get intimately involved in their business and know, right, like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: so yeah. that's all. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's exactly right. I often say research, in my world, research separates the men from the boys, mm. which sounds like a chauvinistic thing to say. No, it's legit. <laughs> it separates legit. the pros from the amateurs. It's legit. <laughs> it separates the girls from the women. See you know, the mature the, the pros from the amateurs because like, like we said before you kind of got to know who you're talking to you got to know what you're talking about if you want to be interesting and if you want to be effective so I have have a, a long document this is what I if I was first starting to work with somebody. after I get to know them you know it's a little bit less uh, rigid like this but there's I five six pages something like this with just questions about who their audience is, uh, you know, demographically, but more importantly, I need to know what are their dreams and their desires, if you know, to the best of your knowledge. What are their p- pains and their problems? What are their fears and their frustrations? What are those things? And if you don't know those things, we need to find out. But we can probably find out if you've got testimonials and you got reviews and you got past marketing collateral that worked or didn't work. you can figure some of those things out. We can get people on the phone and ask. Yep. But you want to know that stuff. You want to know, like I said, what has worked in the past, what hasn't worked in the past. What other people in your industry are doing that seems to be working or is not working, from what you can tell, what kind of trends are going on. And that's all before you even talk about, before you even look at, what is it that you're selling? Mm. <laughs> you know, we're going to we're gonna dig in to find out the details and the special things, the unique uh, value that you have in your product. But it's actually less important than who you're, who is. Mm-hmm. Because we, you know, they're going to read, the only thing they care about is themselves, rightly so. But nobody's going to read an article or a sales letter or whatever about a product unless they know or believe or hope at least that it pertains to the specific pain, problem, fear, frustration that they have. Yep. I'm frustrated because I can't lose weight. And actually it's true. Unlike you, I don't have six-pack abs. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a frustration for me. How do I get rid of this? These uh, love handles here that developing <laughs> in my mid 30s. <laughs> like, where do they come from? How did this happen? You know, so, okay, now I can go and read a sales letter about how to get rid of love handles. You know, I'm interested. If you, if, you know, but I, but you need to know that, I'm, that that matters to me. And it makes all the difference in the world in terms of results. Yeah. You know, if you know, okay, he's worried about love handles. He's not worried about, you know, hair loss or yeah. whatever. You know, he's not worried about necessarily building up his biceps. Which I actually could use some more too, <laughs> but I'm more concerned about like my my love handle, my spare tire,
2: mm, and mm. so
1: that knowing that language, the words that they would use to describe the problem themselves. Yep. If you can find that out, talk to them in their own language, uh, then you're then you're cooking with gas. So so my process is just like that. They ask a bunch of questions, do a bunch of research, and kind of find out what's going on, and then. Usually we start testing things hypotheses about what will work and we try some things
2: mm.
1: depending on what the you know scenario is you know we might try changing emails we might try changing ad creative, we might try you need a new sales letter you need a new video you might need an entirely different offer yep um, you know as you know the offer is huge
0: offers huge because you can
1: have everything right you can have everything right right and the offers is wrong and you mess up
0: is that? trying to think of what it was what's that direct response for me it's like list is it list offer copy is that what it is it's like it's yeah it's like yeah i think it's like for brian kurtz was saying he thinks,
1: 40 40 20
0: that's right and he says it's 41 39 20 is where he says
1: it's 41 percent
0: <laughs> list because of the who the who is so important you know it's 40 40 20 yeah. but it's 41 percent list who you're talking to (laughs) and understanding them. And then it's 39% the offer, what you're offering them. And then it's the 20% is the copy and making sure that you're delivering it well, you know, and and like you said, and that it's easy to consume and that it's an interesting story and it, you know, all that sort of stuff. So um,
1: it's highly targeted. And Denny Hatch, who's kind of like, he used to write a lot. He kind of retired, I guess. He said in the digital age, the numbers are skewed even more towards list. I think he said it was like 60% list. <laughs> mm. and, and so what is that? 60 and 30% the offer, which I don't know, but 30% offer and 10% the creative.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you got to divide the creative between the copy and the design. But, you know, if you... Believe me, the 10% matters a lot. Yep. But if you're talking to the wrong person... It you know, you're, you're wasting your bullets.
0: Yeah. No, copy, copy can double, quadruple sales. So that's, I mean, each of these are, oh, yeah. are exponential leverage factors. But the idea is that if Absolutely. you're, you could be the world's best chef and you could be offering your greatest dish ever. But if you're offering it to people who have just walked out of an all-you-can-eat buffet, I mean, it's, <laughs> you're just, you're shooting yourself in the foot before you even get started. So yeah. the who is so important. You know, you could be the yeah. world's greatest chef, but you, some of the stuff you source is from across the world. It's got to be shipped overnight from, like, China or something, and, you know, and then you get it. The price takes so high, so if you're trying to offer it as disaster relief food – people that are like refugees like it's just the who like now they're hungry (laughs) but they can't pay for it you know you're you've got the wrong offer and that's that's kind of where this is like a it's like a matrix that you've got to get these three things kind of lined up really well and i think that that's something that people need to recognize as well that they haven't thought about that if they're just being for everyone then they you know you just really need to that part really 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 matters so that's fantastic it's a
1: great point and you know what people i think they they have an offer that they want to make and so they kind of, you know, assume that to be the case, case and they work yeah. around everything else. Yeah. And really what you need to do is find out the offer that your audience wants and then work everything else around that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like your kids. you you got to give them what they want. You stick the vegetables in the ice cream. You, sp- you put the medicine in the ice cream, right? What is that? A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, type thing, right? And that, so true. that sugar so true. is what people want. And so you got to figure out where they're at. Right. And you got to meet them where they're at and know the language to say to help motivate them. I think that's powerful, too.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, where yeah. do you think the future of this is going? I mean, with technology today and borders dissolving and, and automation tools coming in place, do you think, how is that going to affect the world of direct response and copywriting?
1: You know, that's such an interesting question, and I, I think, I have some feelings. I've said publicly, I don't, I don't know if anybody believes me, but increasingly, you know, Billy Jean is marketing, yeah? Billy Jean's <laughs> style marketing is going to be, I think is going to become more and more dominant.
2: Mm. Not
1: necessarily, for any other reason than people, we're just saturated. You could say, everyone's getting a thousand sales pitches a day, it's true. But really, it's like, how many, you have Netflix, you have Hulu, you have Roku, you have what, you know, and you still find time to watch videos on Facebook and YouTube and on Instagram. How? I don't know. I have no clue. But we crave, we seek out entertainment, and it's just kind of how our brains are wired at, you know, at least for the mm-hmm. part of the world that is mm-hmm. above subsistence living. Mm-hmm. And probably even those people who are, you know... Beneath that line, they're still craving for entertainment. entertainment, So I believe believe entertainment value has to be taken up another notch for most people. You know, I wrote an email, and my favorite subject line of all time, this is going to sound like patting my own back, (laughs) but I wrote this subject line that homeless people need Netflix too. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the thing. It, It was based on a true story from my own family. Somebody with no place to live and a premium Netflix account. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're, it's more important for people, and I'm, and that's a bit of an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. But and, and I wasn't it's selling real. anything in that email; it was just me connecting with my people. But you know, people are putting so much emphasis on entertainment that if we don't do that as marketers, we're going to be missing out.
2: Mm-hmm. And I'm
1: not saying you have to go get an oompa loompa suit like Billy Jean. I love that guy, <laughs> but you know, I'm not saying you have to go that far. But you're probably going to have to come further out of your comfort zone, further out of what the industry your industry normally does, and and get you know be more engaging in terms of mm-hmm. entertainment value, mm-hmm. and and that's how you, again how you keep people because people will go and look at Squatty Potty or. Or poo peree, yeah. <laughs> the Harmon brothers are making the, making yeah. huge money.
0: Yep.
1: Right, because because people, you go. Somebody will say, "Hey, go look at this commercial." Yep. In history,
0: yep.
1: <laughs> when did that happen?
0: Yep. Oh yeah, Dollar no Shave Club. No one was saying Dollar Shave yeah. Club was like that. It was just it was sensational. That comes to the old formula AIDA: attention, interest, desire, yep. action. You gotta get their attention first. You gotta get them interested, and then you create the desire or describe why it's so good and then you get them to act. And right. so those first two, right. it, sounds like, it sounds like what you're saying is those first two are more and more and more being being dependent on the entertainment factor, that the getting their attention yeah. and getting their initial interest, the lead-in to the sales letter, so to speak, is, is entertainment-based.
1: Yes. And when I say entertainment, some people get confused. I don't necessarily mean telling jokes or being crap, but it just has to be, you know, we love Law & Order or whatever TV show. That's entertainment, even though it's not funny at all. Yep. I used to binge watch Criminal Minds, which actually makes you super paranoid. You don't want to go outside anymore. <laughs> Everyone's potentially a serial killer. But it's entertainment because it it kind of pulls you into another world. I'm thinking about scenarios as if I'm in them. Yep. And your marketing can actually do that, too, if you do it right.
0: Yep, And so, I think this comes know. back to needing to know your who, because if you know that yes. they're interested, if they watch Criminal Minds, then you know what is quality... For that audience, like you can take a look. Like America's Got Talent is a great example of a show yeah. that we can watch it. We can see entertaining acts and and poorly put together acts, but. Who's who's that America's Got Talent for your for your for the majority of your potential customer base? You know yeah. what do they find because it's we're not all the same, right? We're not all the same. There's right. different strokes, different folks. Some people have the strangest humor. Some people love slapstick <laughs> humor, like old comedy. Some yeah, people yeah. You know, some people love dressing up in medieval suits and f- duking it out in a field yeah. with their friend, like reenacting old battles. You know, like things like that. Well, like you know, but that's that's the what are they into? What do they find entertaining? You know, you find that out. I think that's I think that's a great I think it's a great message to leave with people to help them yeah, try to I figure out uh, that, that to connect with that so
1: that's, that's and and you you are seeing more of it but just realize you're not excluded not you but you know you're not your industry isn't excluded your business isn't excluded from this trend people yeah. are moving to it.
0: yeah 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 the principles remain the, the, the tactics will change Absolutely. frequently the strategies change sometime but the principles remain the same and so everything we talked about in this is I mean, it's high-powered. We've talked about targeting their who, what you need to know about them, you know, building relationships... Keeping your pipeline full. How to make sure that you know that you're, you've you've dug a well before you're thirsty, so to speak. Yeah. One of the most high <laughs> yeah. impact things is using other people's platforms that who's already put all your customers together in one room and is willing mm. to negotiate with you for terms to access them. You know, so you don't have to build them one at a time. You can go get them all at once. So I think that that's excellent. We talked about in our marketing communication how to speak plainly and that they have to have a reason to read and that we can't be boring. That our market needs to be simple, interesting, and fun. You know, and so we've talked about some really important things here. Is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? You
1: know, I don't, I don't, I can't think of anything. Yeah, all good. (laughs) I can't think of anything.
0: All good. Donnie, (laughs) if someone is interested in contacting you and seeing if they could become one of your kind of elite private network of of very few clients, how do they get in touch? What's that process look like when you get started?
1: Yeah, you can go to my website. Now, like I said, I really don't work on it often. My most recent post is from, I don't know if it's from this year or last year, but donnie com, And there's a contact form I'm on there someplace. So you could you could always just, if you send me, you, you go on there and, and fill it out. And you can just tell me what, what you got going on. And regardless of anything, I will make time to get back to you and, and tell you uh, what's going on. And a lot of times, you know, I try to be give value even if we can't work together. I'll give you some thoughts about, you know, if, if you tell me your situation, I might be able to, to offer a piece of advice or two. Happy to do that, especially for your people. Uh, okay. Happy to do that. The other thing is if you're on that website, donny uh you can sign up for my newsletter, which actually doesn't help you hire me, <laughs> but it is where you – I the only place really that the public can get my freshest thoughts and craziest rants, you know, on marketing and persuasion and and whatever, yeah. That's that's probably the best way to do
0: it. Of okay. course,
1: respond to that email, and I'll get that message.
0: Cool. So go to Donnie D O N N I E hyphen B R Y A N T dot com. Donnie hyphen Bryant dot com. Check out what he's got. Definitely get in touch. Clearly, he knows. Uh, he knows what's important, and it's it's really about the fundamentals and applying this consistently and digging him through the details and the weeds. The devils in the details. If you didn't catch all this, if you didn't take notes, you may want to listen to this interview again. Talked about some really key things. Like, it's really easy to gloss over things like, oh, my lead flow. Like, I didn't have a system for bringing in deal flow. I'm telling yes. you, you will feel the pain if that's like, like oh, whatever, that's not a big deal, huh? No, that's a big deal. It doesn't matter if you're <laughs> a new company, if you're just getting started. It doesn't matter if you're kind of mature. I mean, that's almost where it's more dangerous because you're likely to become yes. complacent because you've been yeah. – it hasn't been a problem for 10 years, and now it is a problem. Like, fundamentals are fundamental for a reason. So highly recommend you yes. get in touch with him. He's definitely a man of fundamentals. Donnie, I appreciate you. I know you got a family. you got a list. you got a whole lot of other things, places you could be put, giving your attention. So thank you for coming and helping share with my audience so we can all do a little bit better.
1: It's my pleasure. Let me say one more thing just to tie in what you were saying before. Sure. One of my clients, I can't tell you who he is, but the year before last did – seven hundred thousand dollars we really changed for the most part is one thing that we changed, one piece of his marketing and everything else is basically the same and in last year did two million dollars wow. and it's just getting getting the copyright at a key leverage point can like in that case triple your business yep. with not a lot of other efforts yep. so please don't don't gloss over the importance of getting your messaging and your who dialed in really
0: close mm. Mm, mm, so well said thank you Donnie it's an honor and a pleasure and I look forward to a follow up interview with you sometime maybe later this week hey you've reached the end of our interview now first let me thank you for listening I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know and now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions first what three lessons did you just learn what three aha moments just jumped out at you second